Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. That's right, it's the Anarchist World this week. If you want a quiet hour of easy listening music, piss off, okay? You want some religious rants? There are other radio stations that could do that. You want somebody, you know, fornicating with the corporate sector? Go away. This is the Anarchist World this week. We will be joining the dots on a number of what I think are significant issues in the world today. Now, obviously, you may not agree with me. Fair enough. I don't mind. That's fine. Okay. Maybe I, not, I may not agree with you, but that's the reality of existence. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, there's no debate about that. Anarchist society is a society without leaders. Anarchos, sorry, without rulers. There's the debate already. Without rulers. It's a society without rulers. The issue that confronts all anarchists is how do you create a viable, sustainable, productive society without rulers which meets the needs of the people in that society? And the best way I know, and obviously it's not the only way, but the best way I know is through applying direct democratic principles to the decision-making process. That means the people involved in the decision make that decision and appoint or elect delegates, recordable delegates, to coordinate those decisions at a local, national, regional, international level. It's a society where wealth is held in common. And why these two concepts, equal power, equal wealth, if you want to break it down to its uh, most basic elements... Because it's inequalities in power and wealth. It's inequalities in power and wealth which have created the inequalities which we find in society. So you need to break down hierarchy. You don't break down hierarchy by breaking down inequalities in power and wealth. Whether it's achievable is a debatable matter. Everything can be achievable in human history. We have seen examples of anarchist societies come and go. We've seen examples of corporate capitalism kind of uh, running amok. But again, every dog has its day. Yes, this is the anarchist world this week. My name is Joseph Toscana. If you want to get involved, we'll be talking about a few issues that we're involved in. But a few websites you can look at. And if you haven't got a haven't got a computer, don't worry. You can always leave a message on oh four three nine three nine five. 489 0439 395 489. The website you can look at is anarchismedia.org. 
public interests before corporate interests. That's pipsy.net. You can look at my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. That's Toscano for the Public. Uh, and obviously there's other bits and pieces. You can go to the Tanaminaway Morbohina website, the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee website, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, the, uh, the the Facebook page for the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation and the list goes on and on. So there's lots of stuff out there. I'm sure you will find something out there which will tickle your fans and if it doesn't, organise your own activities because it's about moving from the virtual world into the real world and that's what the Anarchist World this week is about. It's about encouraging you to move from the virtual world to the real world. Now you may move in a direction which I find offensive, which I find exceptionally brilliant. But the key is moving into that, back into that real world, reclaiming reality, putting the virg- virtual world aside because the virtual world tends to dominate the lives of so many people that they've forgotten there's a uh, sun and a moon and a wind and stars outside. But that's another story. Okay, let's start off with the Bishop Ye Fas. Now, you may not have realised, and this is where we're going to try to join the dots together, you may not have realised that Australian society has changed over the last four or five decades and we've becoming increasingly dependent on our interaction with China. And if China sneezes economically, Australia has problems. Now, currently, the United States of America are under, under the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Groper, President Groper. My apologies, I need to show him the respect he deserves. Uh, is pursuing a policy of attempting to contain what they see as Chinese expansion into their spheres of influence. And Australia has got a problem. Does it keep the military alliance with the United States of America? Or does it keep its economic relationship with China? And if you think the Chinese government isn't, wouldn't be willing to close down economic activity of China, think again. Think again. Now, the Australian economy is highly leveraged. It's a fancy word for saying it is dependent to a significant degree, especially in terms of real estate investments and private real estate investment, domestic real estate investment on Chinese investment. Now, when Mr Hastings, the uh, federal Liberal member, gets up in the Parliament yesterday and talks about Dr Chow, a significant Australian business person with very, very uh, important links to the Chinese Communist Party, this is done for a reason. And the reason is very simple. Currently, there is a bill in Parliament, Federal Parliament, called the Foreign Intervention Bill, which actually changes the law 
about overseas donors influencing domestic politics. And we've seen more and more of this in both sides of the political spectrum over the past decade. Where overseas donors to Australian political parties tend to call the tune in terms of policies and legislation which is passed. So that's one reason. The other reason is that US alliance, where as a country we've been asked to take sides, and it's quite obvious that Mr Turnbull is happy to take sides with the United States. But that means economic pain. It means economic pain. And let's join the dots. Australia is one of the few countries on this planet that allows foreign investors to speculate in domestic property. And what I mean by domestic property, I'm not talking about businesses and land and farms, but in terms of units and houses which are used basically to put a roof over people's heads. Now, this investment has artificially skyrocketed the price of Australian housing, where a million-dollar house is not unusual, you know, in the major capital cities. It is not unusual to be asked to fork out a million dollars with courtesy of the banking sector, the private banking sector, in order to secure a three-bedroom house for a bit of a garden, you know, within 20 k's of a CBD, especially in Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane. Not unusual. And to a large degree, this elevation in property prices has got nothing to do with reality. It's got nothing to do with wages. It's got nothing to do with wages growth. It is fueled by three different elements. One is low interest rates, which allow people to borrow relatively large sums of money. Two, by foreign investors of all nationalities investing in the domestic housing market. And three, by negative gearing laws, which gives that 8% of Australians who have substantial disposable income the ability to negatively gear properties and claim them as a tax deduction. So these are three things which are fueling the current unsustainable rise in housing prices. And this has a flow-on effect to the rental market. As more and more people cannot afford, even with the help of mum and dad, the bank of mum and dad, to get involved in the property market, more and more Australians have been forced into private rental agreements. And this has forced up rents. And when you add the fact that we are a nation which relies on tourism, I think it's our second or third biggest uh, earner, 
and the growth of Airbnb in this country. If you wonder what Airbnb in this country is, when you put up your house for rent for a tourist for a short period of time, what you are seeing is a decreasing supply of rental properties and properties at the lower end of the market that are available to people on normal wages. And a normal wage today is $80,000, believe it or not, per year. So we've seen the ridiculous situation in Hobart, which has always had relatively low rents in comparison to the rest of Australia, and the Tasmanian economy is highly geared towards tourism, and with the growth of Airbnb in Tasmania, especially Hobart and Launceston, what that means is fewer and fewer people are putting their properties up for rent to people who need accommodation but for short-term rental at maximum price for tourists. So you've got these four perfect combustible elements which are coming together. You've got the domestic market where 30 to 40% of all homes, units and flats which are bought every week are bought by foreign investors. Two, you've got the investment class. That 8 to 10% of Australians of disposable income who are buying a second home because of negative gearing laws which by which they can legally minimise their taxation. Three, you have the growth of the Airbnb movement where people, private people, can rent their home or their second home to tourists for much more for short-term leases or rents, two or three days, then much more than they would receive from uh, permanent tenants. And then you've got the problem of the winding down of the public housing sector across the country, especially in Victoria and New South Wales. So it's no accident that so many people spend so much of their income keeping a roof over their head. And it's no accident that we see more and more people who are not only just homeless, but people who are couch surfing, people who are forced into share homes, people who are... And it's quite extraordinary that when you think that the basic wage in this country for a full-time worker is actually... makes them fall below the Australian poverty line. So you can actually see that there is an increasing pressure on the housing market. And as interest rates begin to rise, there'll be an extraordinary number of people who are over-committed financially through the banks, and we've seen what wonderful people the banks are when it comes to repossessions, if you've been following the uh, Banking World Commission. And you can see that with this fight between Australia and China, this is going to have a profound impact on the housing market because you could see overnight a rapid fall in housing prices which would have devastating consequences because in Australia, unlike the United States of America, 
when you take out a housing loan and you can't pay that housing loan and your home is foreclosed, your loan is foreclosed by the banks and your home is sold, if there is a shortfall, you will be pursued for that shortfall to the day you die. And if you think the banking sector are nice, wonderful people, the financial and banking sector, just look at the information which we have been talking about for decades on this program, which is currently coming out of the of the uh, Banking Royal Commission and the Royal Commission to the financial sector. It is... It has sent shivers up people's spine. And when you look at the so-called regulatory authorities, which supposedly regulate these and how these large corporations thumb their noses at the law, at the law, let's not talk about morals or ethics because they are concepts which are foreign to these entities. They are concepts which never enter their thinking because they are there to maximise return to shareholders. And shareholders today who have been forced into the investment market through the privatisation of old age through superannuation demand a high return on their investment so they can survive. So you've got all these factors which are coming together to create a perfect hurricane, a perfect storm, a perfect cyclone, a perfect eruption as far as the economy is concerned. And we may be able to keep it at bay for a relatively short period of time by keeping up immigration rates. And But we are getting to a stage, very close to a stage, where this pack of cards, which have been stacking on top of each other, you know, with no foundations may, within the next few years, crumble and create a lot of economic pain. And a lot of that is related to the fact that housing prices have been artificially elevated by, because foreign investors are allowed to come into the private housing market. So getting back to Dr Chow, Mr Hastings, the uh, accusations which were uh, made in Parliament, why they were made and Australia's relationship with China, nothing highlights this more than the meeting that the, uh, I think it's the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and our Foreign Minister Julie Bishop had in Buenos Aires recently in the last few days. Now, the Australian Foreign Minister Julie Bishop told us in no uncertain terms, that it was a candid and constructive discussion. While the uh, Chinese foreign minister said it was about time that Australia stopped looking at the world through its tinted glasses, and what it meant by tinted glasses, glasses which put US interests before our own national interests. Think about it. Just think about it. Think about how all the dots come together. Think about how it's all interrelated. It's not one thing which doesn't have an impact on another thing. It's all interrelated. And it's about understanding those interrelationships. What you can do about it, well, that's a different matter. Can you rely on the established political parties to uh, push your barrow for you? I'm afraid not. 
I am afraid not. Can you rely on all those little groups that find themselves in the Senate now to push a barrow for you? I'm afraid not, because the great majority of them are linked to individuals who believe the great Australian dream of corporate capitalism dominating every aspect of our existence. So, why not join another a new social movement and political party, both? It's a social movement and political party. Public interest before corporate interest. It's about putting the interests of the many, that's the public, before the interests of the few, the corporations. Simple concept. It's so hard to get these concepts across to people, to Australians in, 20, in 21st century Australia. Because most people have forgotten that there is such a thing as a public interest or there's such a thing as a public. It's all about our private needs and how we meet these needs in the private marketplace. It's a little bit like getting a golden shower, paying for a golden shower. That's about all you get if you are playing the private marketplace. Now, if you want to join public interest before corporate, so look up what they're all about. Have a look at their application form. Go to www.pibci.net. Pibci.net. Okay. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, what can we do? Well, there's a few things happening. Now, today I'd like to publicly announce a new initiative. Now, you and I can announce all the initiatives we like, but those initiatives will never come to fruition unless we can actually generate interest. And obviously housing affordability and access to rental accommodation and access to, you know, housing at the lowering of the market is becoming an increasing concern for an increasing number of Australians. So how, how do we, as a community, solve this issue? I'm not talking about blood in the streets, you know, wholesale revolution. I'm talking about simple parliamentary reforms which could be done next year. They could be done now. They could be done within a month. It's a matter of political will. And the only time you get political will when you've got people who are willing to come together to change the political agenda that we face with on a daily basis. If we don't change that agenda, nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever change. Now, what do we have in mind? Very simple. Public housing, everybody's business. That'll be our slogan. Public housing, everybody's business. New group, which will be set up in the near future. Now, obviously, we will work in with Defend and Extend Public Housing and all the other public housing associations. And public housing is housing that is government-owned, government-managed. It's not social housing. It's not community housing. It's not affordable housing, which are basically private organisations, whether they're for-profit or not for-profit. And our slogan is very simple. If we use stamp 
duty revenue over $6 billion per dollars per year in Victoria. That's stamp duty revenue, right? If we use stamp duty revenue for public housing, and I'm speaking slowly, for public housing, one million Victorians will be settled in public housing by 2029. So within a decade, if the money that is raised in Victoria, and this goes for every other state in this country which uh, has stamp duty, which is a tax, stamp duty is a tax which is levied on the purchaser, a person who purchases property, and it's an, it can be an extraordinary amount as the housing prices rise, you can house up to one million Victorians within a decade. And you don't need, you don't need some huge building program. You can spot purchase. And if the market drops, although stamp duty revenue may drop as housing prices drop, it still means you can still house the same amount of people for less money. It's a simple political decision. It is nothing new. It is not radical. It is the type of philosophy which was, which covered housing in Australia in the 50s and 60s. Because when we turned servicemen and women came back, they said, what the heck did we die for? What the heck did we fight for if we can't even have a roof over our heads? And public housing rose out of that milieu through struggle. And we need to get back into that struggle. So what do we Propose Well, obviously, we will continue with the Defend and Extend Public Housing rallies on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And we encourage you, if you're listening to this program interstate, to organise your own Defend and Extend Public Housing campaigns and hold rallies on the steps of Parliament House, especially in those states which are privatising public housing, such as New South Wales and Victoria. And the next rally will be on midday, which is a parliamentary sitting day, on Wednesday, the 20th of June. Think about it. One rally every month. Go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing website's there till, till the state election is held on the 24th of November. In Victoria, through legislation, the state election will be held every four years and will be held on the 24th of November. And what does public housing everybody's business. What do we have in store? Well, it's very simple. From Wednesday, the 14th of November, to Wednesday, to uh, Saturday, the 24th of November, that's 10 days, we will be camping on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to ensure that public housing becomes an election issue. Because in Victoria today, it's all about roads, it's about tunnels, 
It's about transport. It's about law and order. If you want to solve all these issues, having a strong public housing sector helps to maintain law and order. Think about it. You've heard it here first on the Anarchist World this week. Use stamp duty for public housing. House one million Victorians by 2029. House three million Australians by 2029. That would take the pressure off everything. It would reduce rents. It would reduce housing prices. It would make accommodation, housing, not an investment prospect, but a way of providing families, individuals, couples with the necessary basis, the necessary secure basis via which to create a reasonable life for themselves. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scone, hosting today's program. Now, what I may do is talk about a few activities that we've got in the pipeline. Well, they're actually organised, they're no longer in the pipeline, because a lot of people say, well, I don't like that, I do, do like this, I don't like that. Well, there's always things. You can always make an excuse. If you want to live in the virtual world, if you want to be consumed by Netflix or TV or, you know, your latest porno trick, that, that's fine. That's fine. That's your choice. But if you want to have a little bit of control over your life, well, I suggest that maybe you spend less time watching the wedding. I'm not going to use the word royal. Could you imagine royal? Why somebody royal? Why are they better than me? Why are they better than me? Maybe because they have an armed forces or a state apparatus. Huh? They can impose their will. But this wedding they had in England, you know, everybody was excited. Well, a lot of people I didn't think would be excited were excited by it. Well, obviously, you do need this distraction in life. Life can be quite tedious, especially if you're spending most of your time trying to make ends meet and, uh, you know, surfing the net watching a few people get married on the other side of the world, um, you know, watching a bit of porno, gambling your life savings away on, on the net or going into the local pokies, all reasonable things to do if you're trying to uh, bury yourself away. But unfortunately, they're only distractions. Reality does have a nasty habit of, you know, coming in. So a few activities. Now, I don't know if you remember the parliamentarian, Julia Banks. Now, she was the parliamentarian who said that she really did believe that people could live on $40 a day on the New Start allowance. She said there's all these other things that help people, but, you know, she's a woman who's, you know, very astute investor. If you look at her uh, pecuniary interests on, her par- on the parliamentary register, which I haven't, but other people have, $40 a day. Well, the Victorian-based... Unemployed Workers Union is unhappy because most of their members are on a New Start allowance, and the New Start allowance, even if you include rent allowance, you're looking at maybe what two fifty, two sixty dollars a week. Doesn't even cover rent in a shared home. But well, Julia Banks, that's her opinion. Well, the Unemployed Workers Union, the Victorian branch, has decided 
that they would like to wander down to our office at 1pm on Friday the 25th of May. That's this Friday. 1pm at Friday the 25th of May. And the office is at 100 and Burwood, 140 Burwood Highway, Burwood, which is on the tra- tram line. So 140 Burwood Highway, Burwood. And um, just let her know what they think about that statement. Peaceful protest, just to highlight how out of touch our so-called parliamentary representatives are with the real world. So there'll be three speakers. There'll be uh, a president of the Unemployed Workers, the Victorian branch of the Unemployed Workers Union, Mr Owen Bennett. There'll be uh, Father Bob Maguire, who's been involved in providing um, services for, ge- for decades to homeless people and people are having a lot of difficulty and he continues to provide those services with the crew around him at the age of, you know, he's over 80. And I'll be there, I'll be speaking on behalf of public interest before corporate interest. I've been asked as secretary, convener of public interest before corporate interest to pop along and speak my mind and I'm quite happy to speak my mind on this particular issue. It is an issue because the new start allowance has actually been raised within 24 years and none of the major political parties think it's a real issue. They're all frightened about what, you know, the uh, corporate-owned media, especially the Murdoch media, will think if they uh, talk about uh, assisting people who, through no fault of their own, find themselves on a new start allowance. And you'd be amazed. The great bulk of people on new start allowance are the young and the over-50s, the under-25s and the over-50s. So come along. If you can make it, 1pm, Friday the 25th of May, 140 Burwood Highway, Burwood, outside Julia Banks. The Honourable, Honourable Julia Banks um, uh, at 1pm on Friday the 25th of May. That's one thing out of the way. Now, another thing. Well, obviously, I've just mentioned the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at midday on Wednesday the 20th of June. Now, the Wednesday Action Group, which has been reclaiming public space in Melbourne, CBD, for the last 19 years, as it's 19 years in existence, is holding an Institute of Private Affairs, they like to call themselves Institute of Public Affairs, standoff. That's right. Now, the IPA, in our opinion is one of the greatest roadblocks to change in the society. The IPA was formed over five decades ago with the express purpose of marginalising people who are fighting for equality. And it's done that very well. It now holds over 25% of Liberal National Party parliamentary seats because it it went into the Liberal Party, stacked the branches of the Liberal Party, expelling the so-called wets, those few Liberals with a social conscience, and now being pre-selected for safe Labor and National Party seats. And they have ably assisted by the... Astro- ably assisted by the Alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as the Labor Party, they have ably, and to their credit, promoted the corporatisation 
privatisation, globalisation, deregulation viewpoints which have dominated social, economic, personal, political, cultural activity in this country over the last four decades. And they have done this through private donations from large corporations and business people who always remain anonymous. And they have done this by forcing the Australian Broadcasting Corporation to put on their mealy-mouth spokespeople as permanent guests on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation as if they reflected the views of mainstream Australia. So the Wednesday Action Group thinks it's time and the Anarchist Institute thinks it's time we weaned the Institute of Public Affairs, we call them private affairs because how could the word public be part of their name when they're for the few, not the many, we want to wean them off the public teat. It's time the IPA, not the public, that's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which you and I finance, they talk about them financing, we bloody well finance it. And I can assure you, people of viewpoints like myself and the listeners to this program do not get any significant airtime on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, in comparison to the Institute of Private Affairs... It's time they paid for their extremist propaganda. Now, we think the IPA is spiky on the outside. They like to flex their muscles, push people around, but yellow on the inside. Yellow on the inside. When it comes to a little bit of, you know, a little bit of criticism, glass jaw people. So the Wednesday Action Group will be outside the Melbourne offices of the Institute of Private Affairs, the IPA, from 11.30am to 12.30am when, uh, on Wednesday the 23rd of May, Wednesday the 30th of May, I think Wednesday the 6th of June and Wednesday the 13th of June. That's right. We'll be there for an hour. Last time we were there they called the police. You know why they called the police? And the police obviously turned up in numbers. Because we had the audacity, well, one of our members, not all of us, I'm a coward, obviously, but one of our members actually stood on a step which led to the offices of the IPA. He wasn't blocking, he was just trying to hand out a few leaflets. So we thought it's time that their role in Australian politics was highlighted. And uh, you're welcome to come along. 11.30am, 12.30, starting Wednesday the 23rd of May, Wednesday the 30th of May, Wednesday the 6th of June, Wednesday the 13th of June. So there's something else you can go to. Something else. Now, Reconciliation Week is more than a football game. Now, it looks like the AFL has to a large degree, co-opted Reconciliation Week. Now, Reconciliation Week is an important week. It is bookended by two important days. National Sorry Day, which is on the 26th of May, and Mabo Day, which is on the 3rd of June. It's a national week about promoting 
reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, and I'll be speaking much more about Mabo Day next week, which is Sunday the 3rd of June this year. But unfortunately, it seems to be all about a football game in Victoria, at least. But it's much more. It's about justice. It's about righting wrongs. It's about acknowledging the past. It's about moving forward on the issue of a treaty between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians, whether it's based a national treaty or whether it's based on a treaty of each individual Indigenous group in this country. So, on Saturday, the 26th of uh, May, there will be flag-raising ceremonies in many parts of the country. Now, I'll be attending, as I have for the last 20 years, I'll be attending the uh, Bayside flag-raising ceremony, which you're all invited to come to, if you wish, on at uh, 76... Uh, it's in Sandringham. I think it's 76 Royal Parade, Sandringham. It's at the Bayside Corporate Offices, which are basically the Bayside City Council offices uh, in uh, in Sandringham. So there's usually a ceremony and uh, Senior Elder for the Boonarong, uh, Carolyn Briggs, will be there to represent the Boonarong. And obviously... Uh, I'll be making a number of announcements regarding the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation this Saturday at 9.30am regarding a number of bursaries. Uh, Ellen Jose was instrumental, this is my late wife, who died almost a year ago, was instrumental in uh, setting up Reconciliation Day in the Bayside region. She attended the last 18, was uh, dying in hospital at the last one because she couldn't attend and... uh, her children will be raising the flag on her behalf. So you're welcome to that. Also, I'd like to remind you that uh, we are celebrating the 26th anniversary of Marbo Day on Sunday, the 3rd of June, 12pm. City Square, the corner of Flinders and St Kilda Road. And then between 2pm to 5pm, we'll have a gathering with music. Uh, the film Carrying the Flag by Bernard Namok Jr., which is a film about his father, uh, who uh, actually um, won a competition to create the Torres Strait Islander flag and what it all means and what it means to him and his family and Torres Strait Islander people. And obviously there'll be music, there will be uh, dancing, you name it, it's there. It's a free event, turn up, 2pm to 5pm. The event's been hosted and paid for by the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation. So uh, turn up, tea and coffee. There's uh, the West Papuan Independence Movement, uh, Sampari, will be uh, catering on the afternoon, we may ask for donations, but that's not the main purpose of it. The main purpose is to uh, remember Marbo Day, and I'll speak more about that next week. So there are things, and I'm sure, oh, I'm sure there are many, many, many other things. Yes, I'd like to... Now, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest presents an evening with Mr Richard Tate. That will be on Saturday the 9th of June from 7.30 to 9.30pm at the Mechanics Institute in Brunswick in Sydney Road. Now, Richard is a foundation member of Public Interest before Corporate Interests. He's now in his mid-80s. This is his uh, last public uh, outing, 
well, public talk. He's been a, an observer and activist for over 60 years. And at 85 years of age, he'd just like to continue with that struggle. So obviously it's a free event. If you want you want further inquiries, you can call Richmond on, Richard on 93863483. Okay, you listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Let's go on. Now, look, I'm not just here to criticise. If I was here to criticise, I could be here for the next 27 years, maybe 28 years, and that would be only criticisms for this week. Now, we're all told there's only two sectors to the economy. There's the private sector, there's the public sector. All right? The private sector is owned and managed by private individuals, or called privately owned private individuals, or privately owned companies, privately owned family businesses, privately owned corporations. And then on the other side, you have the public sector, and that is government owned, government managed. Okay. Now, what we've seen in the last forty years, and I'm sure you're sick of listening to this on the Anarchist World this week, is the growth of the private sector and the shrinking of the public sector, as more and more public sector. Uh, initiatives uh, given to the private sector. And we all know what happens. We see that over a short period of time that three or four corporations dominate that period that period of human activity, that, that human activity, whether it's uh, childcare, whether it's aged care, whether it's the National Disability Insurance Scheme, which is basically going to be managed and run by the private sector, under a state bureaucracy, the list goes on and on. Whether it's providing social security services to people, whether it's providing services to the homeless, whether it's privatising the public housing sector, we see more and more public money going to private organisations to, to give or present or do activities which were normally done by the public sector. And we're told this is the way forward because it's cheaper. It's always cheaper. Well, the reality is that 40 cents of every dollar that goes to the private sector to provide a public uh, good or provide a public service goes in wages and profit. Because if you're in the private sector, if you don't make a profit, well, you go bankrupt. It's that simple. So what can we do? I mean, you just don't have public and private. You've got something in between called a cooperative collective sector. That's when people come together to create an industry or an activity or a business where they share the profits, where they share the decision-making processes. And the problem with the cooperative and collective sector is although many, many people who find themselves underemployed or unemployed or who want to move from the public or the private sector into a different economic zone cannot because you cannot raise funds from the financial and banking sector because they basically want you to sign over your firstborn child to them before they'll give you any money, if not your grandmother. She's still alive. So why not use 1%, 1% 
of all that money that sloshes around in in uh, Australian superannuation funds, almost over a trillion dollars, to provide seeding funding at a small interest rate to groups of people who want to form cooperatives and collectives and create a third economic zone within the economic pie that we have today. Simple idea. Doesn't take revolution. Doesn't take blood in the streets. You don't have to behead anybody. You know, simple process. Parliamentary legislation. Bingo. Bingo. Done. Done. Easy. Simple. Easy. And again, here in the anarchist world this week, we are not asking for people to do impossible things. What we are asking is for people to make demands to force governments at the state and federal level to actually do something on behalf of the people they represent, not just the corporate end of town. And we don't go hand in cap and say, please, 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 we say, you, please, you do it. Otherwise, we will ramp up activity in terms of public protest to ensure that governments reflect the will of the people. Because in Australia, with our current two-party system, where two political parties have dominated the political process for over 70 years, it is time that that domination was broken down so that we can actually look at new methods of organising ourselves, which is not capitalist, which is not communist, which is something kind of a hybrid. And forming cooperatives and collectives within a capitalist framework can protect people can give them secure employment, can create competition against the private and public sector. So why shouldn't a cooperative or a collective get a government contract hmm? to run something? Very simple. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. And one last thing I'd like just to make a few comments on. Sometimes I listen to the health minister and my eyes roll into my head and currently the big debate is uh, one of the private health providers, HealthScope, has closed down two private hospitals in Victoria, in Geelong and Kew. The health minister says, well, it's due to the fact, it's due to the fact the state, the public hospital system is cherry-picking private patients. And they almost fell over laughing. I'll tell you why it's due. I know only 54% of Australians have private health insurance and unfortunately half of them have got what we call junk insurance. And that's the problem. Although we provide $6 billion every year to the private health insurance industry, they, like the big banks and the financial sector, are squeezing both the private hospitals and private patients who are going to these, these, these who are using these facilities. And this squeezing, this squeezing results in more and more people deserting the private health sector and going flooding back to the public health sector because they don't provide a service for money. You can have full, top private insurance and at the end of the day you can find that a, public host, a private hospital admission can cost you thousands of dollars. Because the private health insurance funds, although they receive $6 billion a year of public money, 
are not willing to cover the host, the cost of the private health sector. So no wonder these hospitals are closing. It's got nothing to do with the state sector, you know, cherry-picking private patients. Now, if this is the type of garbage you hear from ministers of the Crown, government ministers, you really wonder why people continue to vote for these people. I mean, it's time for a change. It really is. So I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interests. Download the application form, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net, pipsy.net. You can write to us. Yes, I do answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing page. Defend and Extend Public Housing. Affordable housing, a right, not a privilege. Go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org anarchistmedia.org Go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public. That's Toscano T-O-S-C-A-N-O for the Public. Join us. Well, you've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au it has been streaming live via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. If it's the first time you've heard The Anarchist World this week, well, I encourage you to listen. Uh, It's important that uh, we uh, break our uh, hypnosis. We're a little bit like uh, hypnotised by a cobra, you know, and the cobra is this... Deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, uh, cobra. It's looking at us, looking at us, and we kind of hypnotise, thinking that sooner or later all that gold will flow to us. Well, it's not going to flow to us. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Okay, hopefully we will be able to broadcast to you next week via the Community Radio Network. We are now currently waiting for the uh, next program on this radio station to uh, wait for the next radio station to come in and uh, we will continue this program. This is the Anarchist World This Week broadcast via the Community Radio Network. Now, those local listeners on Community Radio 3CR, don't forget the 3CR radio font is about to hit us. The uh, In order to maintain our independence, we need to be, uh, need to uh, collect money. There are many programs, Community Radio 3CR, that will be asking for your support. We encourage you to support them during Radio Fon Week which will be going from the 5th to the 18th of June, which is just around the corner. Uh, sorry, I think it's I think it's 6th to the 18th, which is just around the corner. And the whole purpose, the whole purpose of the community uh, uh, radiophone is to actually raise money to keep 3CR 
broadcasting on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the uh, next year. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.